Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, shame on I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if you could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world, but the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. You know, baby rice cereal. That's fun. Figuring out what the food of the day is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the diapers aren't that great, but. <laughs> do you do cloth or change or? No, we do disposable. We tried cloth at the beginning, but it was kind of screwing up our uh, washing machine. Really? <laughs> yeah, it like wasn't, I don't know if we just don't have the right washing machine or if we were doing something wrong, but it was kind of like making the rest of the clothes smell. Wow. Yeah, so we just switched the disposable, which are more expensive, but we do what we can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he have a favorite food yet? Um, Right now, it seems to be the rice cereal, which is like um, really finely grated rice. Mm-hmm. So, I like that stuff. Yeah. So do I sound okay? You sound great. Yeah. Sound good to me. All right. Awesome. I love it. And we're here with Jenna Belk, if that helps. And uh, we're just talking. We're just talking about everything. Oh, we're already recording? Sure. I always press record, but it doesn't. Okay. Oh my god. Well, I like to get the sense that somebody missed part of the conversation. And maybe right. they look for it somewhere else. I just, I was telling Jenna earlier that she's just like this awesome person that she's got like three podcasts and she tells me she's going to start two more. And I thought oh, that wow. was so cool. Three more. Th- three more. Well, I, we should hear about that. But I want to, I do want to say that you can find Jenna at Belk underscore Jenna or YouTube Jenna Belk, right? And you're a humanist, you're an ex Catholic. And you are a creator of a show that I can't pronounce the name to. <laughs> Atheist Stasis. Atheist Stasis, which is really cool. And you're the co-host of the Atheist Experience. But hi, thank you for being here. It's so hi, amazing. Thank you for having me. You're from you're from Austin, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think that is so cool. We have a show in Benton County, Texas. So that's, I'm so excited to get to know. Bowling for soup. <laughs> that's, that's what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Lexi. Lexi, you are my friend and you were my co-host on Public Access for America. And then you, you turned around and had a baby. But now you're back to talk about subjects that you're interested in talking about. And so yeah. Lexi had said, I really want to talk about secular humanism. Mm-hmm. and and secular parenting and how all that relates to atheism. And I said, well, send me something. Just send me anything, a resource so that I can start researching. And she sent me a video of you on the <laughs> atheist experience. So I just said, mm, okay, where is she on Twitter? And I sent you a message and you said yes. And it yeah. was overdrive and we were like, oh no, this is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to help. Yeah. yeah, it was actually kind of shocking i was like what wait jenna belk you're really gonna have her on here that's crazy (laughs) well because i've been um an atheist for about eight years you know around 15 16 is when i deconverted and you know the atheist experience was something that really kind of helped that process and then i see you and awesome well i'm an alcohol or i'm a recovering alcoholic as well and so you kind of you know i vibed with you and i totally got your experience and um i went through the whole aa thing and i couldn't prescribe to the whole god part of it Mm. which is a huge part of aa and i i was really struggling and i saw that you kind of were the same way that felt the same way that I did about it and that you still recovered from it without a God or prescribing to a God. Um, and so you were a big part in my recovery as well. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, that's why I do this. Like that's the only reason is for, is for, is for that. Right. And I think that's such a great thing because for me, it was, it was such a milestone that it was almost like, well, why do I even try to recover? Why do I even care. You know what I mean? Like if there's not going to be any help that I can actually prescribe to, what's the point? Mm. You know, my, my husband, actually, he's open about it. Um, he's struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, we're both trying to help each other. You know, we're both, we both struggle in different ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. Mm. It's hard. Oh yeah. It's nice that you had some uh, resource to turn to like that. So Jenna, you, you recently deconverted, you were, you were a Mm -hmm. Catholic. I was a Catholic. Well, you know, like I said, my mom told me I was Jewish, Catholic, my, you know, she was Scientologist, my, so we had all those religions all in one house. But I'm always interested in how you found atheism from religion. And I wanted to ask Lexi the same thing, but I'm kind of curious as to your story in that manner. The whole story summarized? <clears throat> well, sure, whatever you want to say, Babel, we got, we got eight hours here. <laughs> um, so... It started with not being allowed to be a cafeteria Catholic. The whole, you can't pick and choose because I I moved out of the house right after high school and was intending to start my own job, my own place, all these things. And then I got a boyfriend and we ended up getting pretty serious really quickly. Nice. And I would stay the night at his house overnight. And there was, this is a small town. And so people would talk about how my car would stay there overnight. And so of course people make their assumptions. Sure. Right. Um, so that kind of thing kind of got me thinking like, this is weird. Like it, the, the fact that you're assuming that I'm doing it is as bad as me doing it. Hmm. Right. And so just being told these things just didn't make sense to me. And so I was like, okay, well I realized um, after 
being told that I was like, okay, I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to do it. Right. You're going to think I'm going to do it anyway. So we, we just got more close, more serious. And, um, I ended up learning. He couldn't handle, um, my outbursts. I have CPTSD. And so that causes me to have some pretty violent outbursts sometimes. Um, and so I don't blame him by in it by any means. Um, but I don't think, I think that that's the reason he broke up with me. But my point around that is I learned that if I hadn't slept with him, I would have married him. We wouldn't have moved in together. You know, all these things wouldn't have happened if we hadn't slept together, I would have married him. We would have ended up having who knows what kind of relationship, but it would not have worked. Mm. And so I realized right after we broke up, okay, well, I'm going to sleep with whoever I'm going to marry first. Okay. That's one thing I decided I was going to change about my own beliefs. And it just kind of, things kept popping up. Sorry, go ahead. Was he religious by the way? Yes. Okay. He was very much like my father. Ah, okay. Very, very much like my father. Sorry about that. I mean, it's okay. My dad's a great guy. It's just that when you, when you, throw religion on somebody who's very sensitive and very passionate like me. I'm like my father in that way too. Um, you go to extremes and it just ends up being harmful. So it's, I don't blame him. Either one of them. Okay. But you had a good time with him while you were with him. I don't regret anything. There you go. That's awesome. I learned a lot from that one, from that, I think it was like nine or 10 months. Ooh. Uh, but I learned a lot and I ended up being single until my husband. Nice. Congratulations, and by the way. Thank you. I could not be happier about that. He's <laughs> God. He loved me more than I ever thought I could be loved. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Okay. And so, and then how did you find atheism or did you just... Did you do the whole, what's religion for? Do I even need it? Because you were saying, well, like, I like the I like the picking and choosing. I never heard it put that way because mm. there's things embedded in my head about religion that I think are true still. I mean, I know they're not true, but in my head, I think to myself, well, this is the way it's normal. Yeah. And <laughs> well, never... I was taught that it, it, to go with what, you know, God speaks to you through your heart. And I was like, okay, this can't be, this must have been mistaken somewhere, right? Like God wouldn't want me in that situation. Hmm. And so I just, same thing indoctrination, like it was belief that just wasn't logical. Okay. Oh, but so, so how it got me to religion, uh, to atheism was I, found out I was an alcoholic and then started waiting tables sober. That was a very different experience for me having waited tables for years, having fun. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I started having panic attacks in the middle of the dinner rushes. Yeah, I would too. And so a couple of times I had to get sent home in the middle of the dinner rush. Like the other waiters had to take over my table. So I ended up deciding, okay, I can't do this to y'all anymore. <laughs> like they were so nice to me. I was like, I can't do this to you. I've got to find another job. So I got this job that was advertised as boring. I was like, yes, please. Something boring. <laughs> so I actually, I was at my heaviest. I was at 165 pounds and, um, my, my husband was worried. I got a desk job. He was like, he was like, oh, Mo, you're going to gain weight. You're going to get a desk job. You know, 
going to sit down all day. And I was like, Oh, well, whatever. So I ended up going to work and I just kept my lunch at my desk and I just, Oh, like I don't have to scarf it down. Like I did when I waited tables, I could just eat when I wanted. And so I would just take a bite and then keep working and take a bite. And over the next six months, I just started losing five pounds a month. Nice. And I was like, why? And so it just confused me. I was like, so I started doing research into nutrition, which got me to do research into other things, which got me to do research into other things. And so that, that from there, I was like a six month, uh, probably four or five month thing. Oh, wow. So you were, shel- were you more sheltered as a child then? I, Lexi had mentioned that she was just the same way. It was church or nothing else, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I have a, I have a few journals Um, and there was one journal I read where I was, I was so mad and I was like, you know, I really want to go to my friend's, uh, birthday party, slumber birthday party on on Saturday night. And she lived in Austin and I lived where I lived, which was a drive. Hmm. Um, but she was like the only friend I had (laughs) and it was summertime and and I could have gone, but we had church the next morning. Hmm. And so it just broke my heart that I couldn't go because we had church the next morning when we went to church every week. I was like, I just don't get it. And just, I don't know. Yeah. I know that feeling, you know? Oh yeah. It's like, why, why? Yeah. I um, grew up Pentecostal for the majority of my childhood. And then we all, my whole family converted to more of a denominational Protestant Christian. But while we were in that Pentecostal part of my life, it was you hang out with people from the church or nobody. You did mm. not hang out with kids from school unless they were willing to go to your church. Or like if you wanted to invite friends to church, that was one thing. But you did not have sleepovers with other people or hang out with other people. It was, I want to say almost taboo. I could see that. Mm. I, I was a Catholic in a Lutheran town. Oh, wow. Okay. Um obviously those are polar opposites, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) It felt like it to us. (laughs) What's the difference? Um, That Lutheran broke off of Catholicism. Okay. And so to Catholics, it's like, y'all are just cafeteria Catholics, right? Like y'all are just deciding what to believe when we're believing what God told us to believe. I see. Okay. So the Lutherans are like, oh, y'all are too strict. And then we're like, y'all aren't strict enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, religion um, what's wrong with you people <laughs> well it's been passed down and i understand that i think that religion is why we're all still here you know yeah. it brought us together it got us communicating it got us to create rules for society so that we could all live together okay um so i think that there was a use for it um i just think that the with the information available today there is no more excuse for it all right. Well, that brings me to a good question that we had. Is there is there a reason for children or, or adults to know about religion without without the rhetoric of the religion? Is Absolutely. there an aspect of religion? Yeah. And when, like, what age would you say is a good age for what people? What age to can start you teach learning? kids about the Holocaust? I don't know. Middle I, I, yeah. school, a little bit younger. Okay, I could say that whenever they. I mean, I'm not a public. Ed- I'm not an educator. Um, I just, I think I remember learning about the Holocaust around that age. Okay. I would say, yeah. Interesting. Um, Why the Holocaust? Um, there was a lot of bullshit going on. 
there was a lot of death, a lot of harm, a lot of um, a lot that we could learn from. And um, I think that it's I think that they got there so so easily. Mm. And it's so preventable now that I think it's absolutely essential that we teach it because, I mean, I think I could be wrong, but it kind of looks like we're headed somewhat that direction right now Okay. Um, with people trying to ban apps. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I love it. I get it. I'm just the Holocaust out of all of history, the worst, the, some of the worst tragedies. That's one of the top, you know. Oh, but, I think religions, I mean, religion has definitely religions killed a lot of people <laughs> many many cultures i immediately many, many thought cultures. of the crusades you know yeah so. it's it's killed out uh, whatever different mm. cultures <laughs> it's sad it's so sad to me it's so sad okay and so atheism is just a way to add reason and reason to the day-to-day -day lives you you said something on your show that interested me you said I'm trying to solve my own problems, but I'm not waiting for an imaginary best friend to come down from the sky to solve them. And that just, that was like, I want to talk to her. <laughs> I used to think that he would. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought he was going to solve my problems. All I had to do was go about my day. He's going to solve my problems. Wow. If it, we were only that lucky. And then Lexi, you wanted to, I wanted to know about how you discovered atheism as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've talked a little bit about it um, in the last episode that we did. But um, yeah, so I would, like I said, I grew up Pentecostal, and then my whole family switched over to uh, non denominational Christian. And I, in my church, I'm not sure if it was like the stereotypical non denominational, but in my church, um, and the Pentecostal belief is that you get dedicated to God as a baby and you get baptized when you're about 15 or 16, um, you know, in your early teenage years, basically. Mm -hmm. And so in my church, we had to read the Bible and find verses to support what we wanted to say and create a whole speech that you gave to the whole, you know, the whole mm -hmm. church. Pressure. Right. <laughs> and it was this All big I had to do thing. was walk up there and say, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was this big deal. It was a huge thing because it, it was a choice. Like. You know, and there were several different people that would do it at once, but it was usually like three or four every Sunday. It was like part of the the service um, in the summer months because we did that outside. Um, and so I was, it was in reading the Bible, honestly, for the first time, you know, I'd heard my preachers and pastors say, you know, stuff about it, but it was my first time actually reading it. Um, and I've always been, before I even knew the word feminist, I've always been a feminist. Right. Um, and I read a lot about how women were degraded and second class mm. citizens. Um, I read a lot about infanticide and a lot about crazy stuff that I totally didn't agree with, um, you know, even as a young teenager. And so that's where my questioning started to happen. And I actually never got baptized because I didn't I, I wasn't able to come up with the whole speech, you know, and I didn't agree right. with it. And it was very shortly after that, you know, within a year or so that I was like, you know, I just don't think I buy this anymore. Um, and you know, it, uh, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom at the time and it became such a big thing that I ended up moving in with my dad because, wow. not because my mother kicked me out, but because it was constant fighting like every day, there was right. nothing I could say. It was always, it always came back to, oh, well, you're just an atheist. You're just a sinner. You're just, if I had been an atheist in my household at that age, it would have, I can, man, mm -hmm. I was lucky to have somewhere else to go because it was. <sighs> 
it was true tra- trauma, you know, on top of yeah. um, struggling with, I, I grew up, like I said, Pentecostal and like the whole like masturbation kind of thing mm-hmm. was totally looked down upon. You were, you were mm-hmm. awful if you did that. And you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're going through puberty. Um, and so I struggled with those feelings and, and those, that guilt that comes with it. And, you know, on top of depression and anxiety, which I have, um, and, you know, so it's became so unhealthy for me. So I just ended up moving away, um, to my dad's. They don't live that far. They live maybe 20 minutes apart, but I pretty much cut off my mom's side of the family for, which is the religious side for a very long time, probably until I was like 20, Mm. you know, I mean, I would see them maybe Christmas. I'd go by for a few hours just to say I had been there, you know? Yeah. So I just ended up not being with my family at all until I'm 23 now. So until the past few years. It does that. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's so, it's such a shame. It's such a shame. Has your mom calmed down about that at all? Yes and no. I mean, we're struggling because I do have a son now. um, And she wants me to really raise him Christian. And obviously I don't feel that that's necessary. And I don't think that's a good thing. I can only see bad things coming of it. So we do struggle there. I'm of the opinion of, well, I'll just teach him about all religions. If I have to teach him about Christianity, I'm going to teach him about pagan religions and Buddhism and Islam and any religion that... I can think of and explain to him at the age appropriate way, you know, a way that he's going to understand. Um, it's not going to be easy, but <laughs> my, my, go ahead, go ahead. my main point is to teach him how to think, not what to think. Totally. That's a new thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I've been listening to <clears throat> um, parenting podcasts. Like there's parenting beyond belief has been put on by the ACA mm-hmm. and it's not recording anymore, but the episodes are still out there and they're incredible. I still highly recommend it. But, and I actually got to interview Dale McGowan, um, oh, yeah? which is going to be coming wow. out, I think this week. So by the time this comes out, I'll probably already be out. So go look for it. Um, <laughs> but so anyway, I've been learning about parenting and I started kind of trying to reparent myself with it. Like, hmm. Oh, so if that happened when I was a kid, this would have happened, but this is what should have happened. Okay. Right. And it just kind of, I don't know, validated me in a weird way, you know, cause I didn't get what I needed. So I learned a lot. <laughs> and one of the people that I've learned a lot from actually is Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I saw a clip of him describing how, um, he got his, his daughter started asking him about the tooth fairy you know, and they, he and his wife are like, okay, well, why don't you tell us? Is there a tooth fairy? And so she's like, oh, and she starts investigating. She starts asking her friends, you know, <laughs> so she starts learning how to do this. Neat. You That's know, a great idea. and I, and it's, from what I've learned, um, it's my opinion that if they're old enough to ask about it, then they're old enough to get a, get a decent response. Not, oh, well, you're too young. I think that's so demeaning and so de- in- dehumanizing. Agree. I, I love the idea of asking a question to a question though. That's what I got a lot of that growing up. <laughs> <laughs> it's changing my life. Mm-hmm. It really is. That's so neat. And you're sending them on a journey to learn to learn. And I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. I think it's the best kind of teacher. Mm-hmm. It's not give you answers, you know, give a man a fish, teach mm-hmm. a man a fish or two fish, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. it's different. Neat.
own personal experience, nobody taught me what atheism was. Nobody taught me to like explore religion. I did it myself, you know, and I'm the one that had the curiosity. Even yeah. uh, I mean, I guess a late teenager isn't that young, but they're an early teenager, my mistake. Well, but imagine having a parent guide you through that at a younger age, you know, imagine the tools that you could have had in your toolbox to carry you through high school, even, you know, it's like, God, my life could have been so much easier, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but it is what it is. And I still, I still came to this way earlier than most people. You know, my grandfather just died a Catholic. I think that's a sad thing. So I'm glad that I have this much time left in my life to, to do what I actually want to do. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just made that about me again. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Well, if I mean, I did just did just lose my father-in-law, and he's actually he's the first person I lost that's actually changing like grief. That the emotion grief is very, 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 very new, very new. Yeah. Very different. I didn't know I had emotions like that until I lost somebody very close to me. And then I realized that I wasn't a psychopath, that I could feel grief yeah. and, and it, it sucked. It, and it just doesn't go away. Mm-mm. It's not, it's, that, that's the weirdest thing is it's not something you can do. Right. <laughs> you can't just go on a run and then it's fine. You know? right. it's, it's, you're, it's still reality. Mm. Um, so that's different. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Mm. That happens. We all have to go through it. I just True. decided to. I decided that she was such a great light that I just had to try and be that light, you know, that the world lost. Yeah. So, and we try to keep him alive by talking about him, remembering him. That's how yeah. you keep people alive, I think. I think so too. Hmm. But I think what I think about religion is we we condition our brains to believe something is real for so long so that when they when we die and our brain degrades we're left with a sense of what we think is going to happen and in that term there's a brief amount of heaven there so well you create neural pathways physically in your brain by repetition i mean that's how you create a habit is by just right. doing it over and over again and when your parents tell you this stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again it's natural that your brain's like, okay, well, this is happening. <laughs> well, right. yeah, in the first place, I mean, religions have heard what happens when we die. You know, we see the light or a tunnel or whatever, and they've adopted that into their own doctrine. And that's why we don't see, you know, is uh, Muslims seeing Jesus Christ when they die or vice versa. Or, you know, people often see images. Right, they see Muhammad. They see images of whatever they're indoctrinated with. You know, yes. it's like you just said, it's all habit in the neural way, the path or neural. It's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, Somebody knew how to brainwash, right? <laughs> um, I think that they had years, <laughs> they had years to practice. Right. Um, and they learned how to, instead of, instead of just killing everyone, why don't we just force them to do what we want? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's more sadistic, but people get to live that way. Well, it's tra- I think it's backfiring. Yeah, well, I don't know. Slowly but slowly. <laughs> Very slowly. At some point, people have choice. Like you, both you and Lexi decided that there was 
other things to learn and you discovered other things. And like you were saying earlier, what, what you know now isn't what you're going to believe necessarily 10 years from now. Right. In 10 years from now, we could make a discovery that proves God's existence when he steps on us all and when he comes back to earth. <laughs> but I, I doubt it. But That's why I'm on AXP. I'm waiting for that. There mm. you go. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> but then there's the secular humanism, which I think is, I didn't know what secular actually meant. Hmm. And then, but I know what humanism means. I mean, I know what my version of humanism was. And then, so I, as I really learned it, I really started to like it. And, and with Lexi's help, I've been learning about it. And what, it, what do you think secular humanism is? Because you seem to know a lot about this. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, well, what do you want to know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. What is it? Secular humanism is basically what I call my worldview when people are like, well, what do you believe? And what it means, uh, it, it means different things to different people. Uh, but for the most part in this community and what it means to me is secular is just at, sans religion, right? It's just without all that Bible stuff. Okay. okay. That's all it means. Kind of like atheist. It would not be necessary if it wasn't already there. Humanist means that I value human well-being above everything else. I do value the planet. I do value uh, animals and all, all kinds of things. But being a human, sorry, <laughs> I kind of value humans. Uh, <laughs> that sucks. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, 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 it's interesting um, how I, I had got a tattoo when I was 18. And I was like, oh, well, I'm never going to not be a Catholic. So I'm obviously going to get a cross. Okay. What else? <laughs> uh, and then the heart is blue because uh, you light it up blue for autism. And my youngest brother is autistic. And I recently uh-huh. found out I may have, I, I may be on the low end of the spectrum. Okay. Um, and um, the heart is blue. Oh, sorry. Sorry. The heart in the middle is because I, I just said, I love people. I love everything about people right um, and so now i realize i could just say humanist okay that's what that means mm-hmm. it seems like taking what religion should be and just taking the essence of it and going mm-hmm. forward i like that a lot and, uh, yeah. right and then how do we do this with children i mean well uh, it, there's so many different ways to do it but i think that you just have to study different cultures different blogs different you know all kinds of stuff around the world and i actually just reposted actually i think this morning or yesterday morning um a meme of there was a child crying and a parent yelling at them or a child sorry child crying to the parent next picture shows the parent yelling at the kid for crying and then the kid starts crying more for being yelled at and it says repeat mm-hmm. right like are we, we're teaching our kids to do this. And somebody had um, posted a link to an article on my page right below this that had an article describing um, a perspective of the Inuit culture parenting um, in that they tell stories instead of yelling at their kids, instead Ooh. of spanking their kids. You know, it when your child hits you, they're not getting a need met. So to teach that child not to hit you, don't hit them back. Just let them know that it hurt 
And then Mm. after they go and calm down, then explain to them why it hurt and how, and tell a story about how it could affect them in the real world. Maybe throw a dragon in there, make it funny, you know, but that's how we learn is, Oh, I heard this story once. Oh yeah. That's how we learn. So that's what I'm going to do. I, 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 I like telling stories already. So. (laughs) Right. And I, I totally agree with you and going kind of off the back of what you said, um, in you so i feel like you should tell a story that relates to whatever the issue is you said hitting so let's use hitting um and also i think let's say like four maybe maybe a little three maybe a little younger is too young for that but i think that around three years old you can also explain to them that if the whole concept of um what if somebody did that to you how would you feel if somebody did that to you and also the concept of what if everybody lived that way what if everybody did this to their parents or to Mm -hmm. to others um, and do they want to live in that? Yeah. yeah. And to, to challenge their thought as well, because I think even at a young age, mm-hmm. like I said, three, um, you can still comprehend that you don't want people to treat you a certain way and you know what you want, what you like. Um, mm-hmm. and so if anything, if everybody were to steal, is that going to make a better world or a bad world? You know, mm-hmm. and do you want to mm-hmm. live in a world where everyone is stealing or no, because mm-hmm. then people are going to take your toys or your books or the things that you like. Um, I think even those, they might sound more complicated. I think those their kids can actually understand that type mm-hmm. of behavior and that kind of the way that you talk to them but I do think that, like you said bringing a story into it um helps them remember it and it helps make things fun because I do know that kids lose interest very quickly exactly they mm. won't care they're right. yeah. my son's only six months and he'll play with one toy for maybe five minutes and then he gets bored and wants something else <laughs> you know? right. right so you have to be creative I mean sorry like that we're we're unpredictable. I think it's actually quite so unpredictable. I think. Yeah. And you know, I, I was thinking actually, you said like about, about the age thing, like age three, something I'm noticing. And, um, so I'm the third of seven. And so, uh, like the, my two younger sisters were born pretty quickly after me, but my two younger brothers, I was able to kind of watch grow up. And something that I realized even just watching those two was that they do, you know, there is like a standard three-year-old this and a standard two-year-old that, but we're kind of learning that the standards aren't really standard, mm. you know? Right. Like at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know that there are averages, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> I, I was very, very different and I was told that I was wrong when I was just different. No, the only, the only imperfection in you is what the ones other people perceive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and what, and how I perceive myself. Well, exactly. But you're, everybody's perfect. I, this lady, uh, she has a podcast called word bin and Mm -hmm. she asks for words to throw away. And she asked me to submit one because she was on my podcast and I submitted normal because I don't think we need it because I don't really think there is such a thing anymore. Can I submit a word? Say what? Can I submit a word? Sure, anytime. Blame. Hmm. I would sub it for cause. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like I think it. That's a really good one. <laughs> I, I just I don't believe in free will. I do believe that Hitler did what he did because things happened before it, mm-hmm. and I hmm. think that they could have been prevented. Oh yeah. Other things had happened. Um. So. I think we have to acknowledge that Ah, cause and effect and to stop looking at making people feel guilty because people already do that on their own. 
<clears throat> for sure. And if they don't, then create consequences to where they'll, they, you know, avoid that at least. But that's what we do, you know, just, and not consequences that they're afraid of, consequences that they're avoiding. Like, for example, changing prison to like a rehabilitation center. I am, I'm doing, sorry to go completely off topic, but something I happen to be passionate about. I've been doing a lot of studying, just I've always been fascinated by human psychology, by how the mind works, which is one of the reasons I'm into this stuff. I've been watching documentaries on like killers, on people in prison, women, kids, um, like, like kid killers that grew up, you know, all kinds of just different perspectives. And it's just fascinating to me. And one thing that I'm noticing is that all of these people are still people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we reduce them to this crime and say, you're a bad person. You get the same punishment as this person because everything's in a box. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't, you're not improving anything. You're being lazy. And I think that That's we right. can do better. I think that we, we can look at other countries. There are documentaries already out there showing different countries in Europe that are doing this rehabilitation prison thing. And it's working. Mm-hmm. but we're why are we not talking about this i want to talk about it i want to know more about this i think it goes pretty similarly with um parents thinking children it's very yes. easy to just it's just very easy to just go ahead and spank your child and expect them to behave better it's very easy to send somebody to prison and expect them to hang out or oh, words are hard lazy. <laughs> and expect them to yeah. get better yes it's lazy it's easy mm-hmm. and it's expensive I don't think that people are realizing, even with the parent and the child, it's emotionally expensive. I'm paying $200 a month just for one session. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, and then with the prisoner and the law, it's expensive just to keep people incarcerated. I mean, we have one of the highest incarcerated populations in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our taxes are what pays for that. And I think it's ridiculous. I think we could be spending that money on cancer research, on just medical research, on things that are so much more beneficial to society moving forward. Most of the people that end up being like lifelong prisoners or on death row or serial killers or anything to that extreme started out as a kid that turned into a criminal because they lashed out about something. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I can see very clearly that could very easily have been me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. If I was in the wrong situation. So it's just like, it's terrifying to me. Like, I just feel so much for these people. And I, I even got a DWI. I went to jail for a week. Mm. I'm a criminal by yeah. sta- by American standards. Oh, wow. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that I- mean that I don't deserve things? Does that mean that I'm I belong in this box? That's who you are forever now, no matter right. what you believe. No I got a DWI. Is that, is that how we define me now? Right. When you're 80 years old, you're still going to be that girl that got right. the DWI. Punished yeah. for that DWI 80 years, 80 years old because, right. you know, and I drove blackout drunk. Oh my God. Like, I don't even know how many times I should have been a felon. I got lucky, but if we're talking about that, I should be dead. Like, yeah, I should be dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's my mom just... would say, by the grace of God, I'm still here, but. <laughs> <laughs> you mean by luck and yeah. effort, you know. Right. Combination. 
but probability. I, I would say literal luck. I mean, there are times where I woke up driving, you know, and right? that's, that's one of the scariest things in my life. That I've, and I remember it very vividly, vividly to this day. Waking wow. up driving. When I got my DWI, I was blacked out and I didn't come to until I was getting handcuffed. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a second. Oh, my car is getting towed. What's going on? Yeah, it was nine o'clock in the morning. I was very lucky that the only time I've ever had problems with the law, I was a minor. Yeah, I, oh my God, I've been pulled over drunk driving twice underage and somehow got away with it. Oh, wow. And then somehow when I was 21 was when I got. Oh, no. <laughs> well, no, that's good. I'm well, glad I was at least 21, but geez. Right. It was dangerous and it shouldn't have happened, but. I, the classes that I was forced Taught you a lesson. I, I was forced to go to these classes, but I was convinced I wasn't an alcoholic, so I didn't listen. Later, got married. My friends who had been dealing with drunk Jenna enough were like, "Okay, she's good now. We can leave her." Mm. Left me pretty much, and uh, right after, because I, I got a, a PI, um, I got put in the drunk tank. Uh, after dancing and being found in a neighborhood nearby. Um, mm. Anyway, after that, I felt bad enough and couldn't afford the ticket. So I had to do AA meetings and community service. Did the AA meetings and after two meetings, I, I oh, sorry, the first meeting, I realized how much I related to these women that were speaking. I was like, holy crap, that's me. Holy God, that's me too. Oh my, oh my, am I an alcoholic? Mm. Listening to people's stories is what taught me that I had a problem. And then I went and got help two weeks later. And now I've been sober for three years and a month. Congratulations. Thank you. But, but that's my point is that, God, we could learn if we could just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> If we could re- if we could relate without being forced to relate, you know, yeah. the spanking didn't work, but seeing somebody else's trauma that you could relate to made the difference. You the know? AA thing works. And I, I think that we should find a way. I mean, actually there are people that do that. There's, um, oh my God, what's it called? There's a secular, um, AA, my, my smart, ther- smart recovery. Really? Yes, yes. Yes. Um, they're good. And and from what I've heard uh, through the grapevine recently is that there actually are uh, meetings in Austin now. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's mostly online, which is convenient for a pandemic. Um, mm. And I've learned, I've, I've taken some tools in my toolbox from that, that I didn't get from AA. So to, to me, it's just, you get different things from different programs. Yeah. Some people get something from AA, some people don't. And you might get something from both and, you know, just keep keep trying until you figure out how to not drink. Yeah. For yeah. me, I, I mean, it. my drinking was directly linked to my depression. Um, you know, I would yeah. get depressed, so I would drink to feel better, um, which mm. never really worked in the long term. But what ended up working for me, because AA was not for me at all. It just did not work yeah. at all. Um, what helped for me was more of a um, group therapy, individual therapy, just talking to different mm-hmm. people and relating and, um, you know, helping stuff, helping with my self-esteem and things like that, because it was such a depressive 
thing at the core of it. Mm. Um, and a big reason I'm sober today is because I was pregnant with my son, you know, and that was, I needed some outside source, some other reason mm. besides myself, because I was very suicidal. I was very, I had so much self-hatred that I wouldn't do it for me until I got mm. pregnant. Um, and I also quit smoking. You know, that's a, no, yeah. I also quit smoking for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that that's something that um, I've learned that AA is kind of wrong about is that sometimes quitting for somebody else can be a better motivator. Mm-hmm. If, if it gets you to stop, who cares? Right. You know, so good somebody, for you. Somebody told me that I was, I was a crutch for my, my first wife was an addict and I, people would tell me I'm a crutch and I would say whatever gets her to the point she needs to be at, mm-hmm. you know? So and it's, yeah. I mean, it's a struggle, you know, we've been damaged mm-hmm. and it is what it is. Sorry to pull a chunk. Oh, yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I just told my friend that today. He used, he used that. And I said, you can't use that anymore. I know like, it was my slogan for my show because atheostasis, it was all about balance. Mm. And God, it is what it is. is like the perfect balanced phrase. And he stole it from me. Aww. So that that's really what we're trying to find in life is this balance, right? Yeah. Because you can't have everything be perfect. That's just not going to happen. Right. So how do we figure out how to balance out this extreme roller coaster ride we're on? I think we're doing See, a pretty good job comparative I, comparative to history. That's the way I always describe things is that when I feel an emotion, it's a roller coaster, which means I just got on it, but it will end. And maybe I should just take it for what it is. Mm -hmm. If I'm angry, maybe I should see that through and and take that roller coaster ride. Maybe if I'm depressed, I need to be on that ride for a reason, but it will end. And I just need to learn the lesson. That is a great point. In our society, we totally tell people to just push those emotions away. You can't be sad. Just go ahead and try to do something to make yourself happy. Um, my mom right. said it to my grandmother today. My grandmother um, just lost her husband and she has pretty bad Alzheimer's. Mm. And she just told her, you know, you can choose to do things that make you happy because, you know, she's mourning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why did you say that to her? Like, I know about being depressed. Sometimes it's not a choice. Sure. You can yeah. do things that try to make you happy, but it might not work. It may not make you happy. Mm. You may still want to cry. And I think that's okay. Feel your feelings. And and sometimes in grief, feeling depression is happiness. Something I just learned in therapy. Sorry to draw this on. Love it. Is so I've been struggling. I I I am very new to feeling feelings because I was one of those people. I did shove my feelings aside. I was that girl in high school that was happy every day bouncing and smiling and laughing every day and it stood out because that's not normal Mm -hmm. um but i just i decided that happiness was a choice and i wasn't going to waste my time being upset any longer so once i found alcohol found out that made it much easier to not feel my feelings so just getting sober three years ago and then just starting really educating myself two years ago um, started learning about emotional intelligence, which I'd never even heard of before. I couldn't identify my feelings past happy, mad, sad. Like I just, I feel, ugh, you know, mm. and um, I've just recently learned since right now on my journey, I'm trying to learn how to not become my feelings. Mm. Right. Okay. 
Um, I have CPTSD. Sometimes I have panic attacks and they're the worst when I'm at home with my husband. And I just figured out that the reason for that is because that's when I fight my emotions the hardest because I, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset. I want to be happy, lovely Jenna. I'm with my husband and I love him. Why should I be anything else? Right. right. And so now I'm learning, Oh, okay. All I have to do is learn how to accept that what I'm feeling is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. My feelings are trying to tell me something. I need to address it. And if I can't, I need to figure out how to adjust. And But I need to feel it. And so so she did one thing with me just real quick. I'm so, so sorry. Don't do it. She goes, okay, so <laughs> thank you. She goes, okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about your anger, right? Because I, I struggle with anger. And I go, okay, all right. She goes, okay, now what are you feeling? I go, uh, determination, you know, like I'm ready to go. She's like, okay, now let's put that feeling aside. I go, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I'm feeling right now. (laughs) Right? Like the concept that there could be layers to it was just baffling to me Mm -hmm. because no, I'm happy right now. No, I'm sad right now. No, I'm angry right now. What you're saying, there's more than one at the same time. So I was like, okay, now hold on, let me wrap my head around this, right? So she did it again. (laughs) And so then she's like, okay, now what are you feeling? And I was like, okay, nothing. She goes, okay, now let's put that aside. I go, what? (laughs) 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 What do you mean? She's like, okay, so these feelings, this nothing, this determination, these are all feelings that are trying to stop us from feeling anger. Mm-hmm. So instead Ooh. of focusing on the anger and insisting that you have to work on your anger right now, why don't you work on what you're work, what you're feeling right now and then work on what you're feeling then and then work on what you're feeling then, right? Right. you know, like and work on allowing yourself to feel those feelings and realize this will end. I'll be okay. This is trying to tell me something. And kind of talk myself through it. I just got a tattoo. Uh, it says, breathe in, breathe out. Two things I keep forgetting to do. And so this is something new you're practicing. Yes. Man, that's got to be tough because now it's just hurting my head trying to think about it. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, what am I feeling? Oh, no. I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is a daily struggle just just to get dinner on the table, mm-hmm. you know, just to yeah. get a shower in, just to get the things that I need to get done and then do shows and then do mm. everything else. And, but the thing is that this thing that in me that I'm struggling with is what's motivating me. Right. So I'm just being as loud as I can about it while I can. Cause who knows how long I have. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I tell everybody I distract myself. That's why I have five podcasts. So I never have to stop and think about anything, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but I like that. That's a great thing to learn. Yeah, I think so. And your husband loves you whether you're angry, happy, or sad, you know? So it's not something you have to worry about. You have the rest of your lives together, you know what I mean? It's still mind-blowing. That's awesome. It's still mind-blowing to me. Yeah. How long ago did you get married? Um, we got married in 16, uh, October, 2016. So four years. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. I never thought somebody could like me this long. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say. How do you keep 
How does he balance you? He's more of a logical thinker and I'm more of an emotionally driven person. And so now that I'm learning how to communicate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's going pretty good. He's also learning that he's a little more emotional than he thought he was. And so it's, it's awesome. Those people seem to work out well together, emotional and logical, believe it or not. There's a balance. There's a balance in that, you know? Yeah, totally. And yeah, looking at his parents, they're the healthiest uh, relationship I've ever witnessed. And he's um, a lot like his dad in some ways and like his mom and others. And in the opposite ways, I'm like his mom and I'm like his dad. So it's it's interesting (laughs) how similar we are. But I mean, part of it's that I learned from them, but uh, personality wise, it's interesting. You're right. That is cool. And yeah, if you spend your life trying to learn from people around you, you're not going to step into the potholes that they're stepping in, you know, Dude, and, you can I, be the, and you can be there to help them out of their pothole and learn the lesson mm-hmm. at the same time. I think that's what's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I could go off about them. I, I adore them. Yeah. I learned so, I learned so much from them. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's really funny that you say that because while I'm not with my son's father, um, I'm still very much, um, involved in with his parents. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. the exact same way. They're the, you know, in their mid to late sixties at this point, they've been married less mm-hmm. years. My parents are divorced. Every family that I know is divorced. Um, and it's just so inspiring to see them and see them be such kind people, even though we don't agree on religious mm-hmm. issues and things like that. Um, even though I'm not with their son, they still support me. They'll buy baby formula and diapers and, um, it's just yeah. very refreshing to hear another experience like that it's so awesome yeah when you hear stories about in-laws that are pleasant Mm -hmm. right and my father-in-law actually was one of the first people to kind of get me thinking about the philosophy part of things because he kind of made it like a like a joke once about oh well how many angels do you think dance on the head of a pin (laughs) and it just kind of like and so then we became like philosophical partners like he'd be like what are you what are you learning today and we'd talk about it and yeah. Oh, that's was, awesome. Okay. We've covered so many topics in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tend to do that. That's awesome. And I know you had talked about, this is a while ago, we were talking about incarceration and improving the inmate's <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, Bernie Sanders had said it costs $80,000 to house an inmate, but it costs $35,000 to send a kid through college. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought to myself, why aren't our prisons more like colleges? You know, I think that's yeah. such a mm-hmm. great idea. I and agree. I was talking to this lady and she wants to do 3D gardening in in the poorer communities with some of the buildings that are that are empty and put fish ponds a fish farm at the bottom and the plants in the upper mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. areas mm-hmm. and cycle the water so they feed each other and have inmates come in and oh, learn how to so do cool. this awesome and and i've been talking to people and now we're talking about roofs that we can grow plants on and you know how to mm-hmm. how to actually set it up i met a guy jeffrey that we talked to and I just think it's so neat the way these things can just go on like that. And that's just from learning and talking. And so I think this is neat because you just gave me a new way to think about emotions. And that's cool to me. Oh, yay. Thank you. (laughs) You actually just put two things together for me, too. So I've been noticing that. I'm sorry to start a whole other subject. Don't have to do it. Don't have to go off on it. But (laughs) but but I've been noticing. So farmers are dying out like the Mm -hmm. the profession Mm -hmm. because we're discovering each person individually is discovering. I don't have to do this anymore right. Right. um and 
or if they have a way out, then they can. So what if instead of having this horrible prison system, we had some kind of school out in rural areas and have prisoners do the farming? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fabulous idea. I think even that concept of why don't we use prisoners to better our society? Um, in general, is yeah. the, the core of kind of what you're saying, and to teach them a trade or to teach them how to do mm-hmm. something, I think that's a much better use than having them sit in a cell or sit in a building. Have them install solar panels. Right. Yeah. Right. Just give them give them a living wage, please, not a dollar a month. Right. You know. And an something education. to look forward to when they get out. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I'm just going out to the same old. Well, bowl. and again, I mm. think that. I don't want to get too political here, but a lot of the people that we see going into prison are people that don't have the opportunity to learn how to do something, how to get out of that situation. So if we were to rehabilitate Mm -hmm. them, I think we should take care of their emotional needs and emotional issues. I think that's a huge component of it, but also to teach them something valuable that they can then make money and provide for themselves and take themselves out of that area. I think we're going to start seeing a lot less um, people going into jails or at least some higher rates of rehabilitation and better upstanding citizens just by teaching them mm-hmm. how to one handle emotions and how to handle, I, I would say, say addiction is probably a huge thing with that. Um, and how to make a living wage for themselves. And that is possible. I got out of rehab pissed off that I didn't <laughs> learn that in school. Right. right. I got out of there and I'm like, why don't we teach high schoolers this? Mm-hmm. Why do we wait until people are already hooked on something and then try to get them mm-hmm. off it? When we had this information out there, I just didn't think this information was out there. Don't get me start. Don't get me started on the education system. I mean, how? Uh, let's not even. Let's let's say that for next time. <laughs> for real. Uh. Yeah, I just think we have a chance to educate people. Like, that's what my podcast, Public Access America, was for. Was because I thought there was an education divide in race and in other things, and so. I shared an episode of string theory and my nephew came back and he said, I had no idea that was what string theory was. I've been thinking about that in my head for a year. And I thought, how cool is that? Not everybody needs to learn everything, but if we're exposed to everything, we can pick the things that we, that we're good at, that we know. But if we're not exposed to it, like we were talking about off air, we're going to eat the green meat (laughs) because we don't know. Nobody told us how to cook, you know? And that's what I think is amazing is, is learning. And so I'm sorry, I don't know where I was going with that, but we need to teach people more instead of assuming that they're poor and ignorant. Yes. And what I started learning the, uh, from the great courses, um, fresh out of religion and just like you said, like learning. And um, so, so I, I figured out that if I could learn what I wanted to learn at the time, mm-hmm. I learned it better. Oh, yeah. So, so being ADHD, I would spend 10 minutes learning science and then 10 minutes learning math and then 10 right. minutes, learning, you know, and they just bounce back and forth. Oh, sharks. And then, Oh, water and coral reefs and scuba diving. And, you know, yes. it's like, that's just how my mind works. And I wasn't allowed to learn that way right. until after I figured out I could use my brain. Any way you want. Yeah, I could learn yeah. what I wanted to learn. Yeah. I didn't have to spend two hours in a row. I think there's definitely something to be said with having an interest in in something and learning about that becomes easier when you have the interest. Yeah, and learning from people who have an interest in it. Mm-hmm. Rather than, like, I had a oh, yeah. 
and archaeologist teach me sociology in college. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you could tell he had zero interest in the field. Sure. I didn't learn anything in that class. Yeah, I can tell you that. Sure. You know, why not why not get people who like the subject to talk about it? Yeah. But I like the I like your idea of learning at your own pace. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not your brain that's abnormal. It's the system that you're trying to learn in that's abnormal. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. I can I I do four podcasts and talk about seventeen different things an hour in all of them, and I retain most mm. of it. <laughs> it's how it's how our minds work. Our minds. Something that I've learned is that they weren't built like a house. You know, like this organized. Mm thing no right. it's built like there's this wire thing oh we're gonna add this and then we're gonna add that and it's just it's just kind of figured itself out so we're trying to act like it's all organized and pretty when it's just yeah, not big like, clusterfuck yeah <laughs> yeah the, the human mind wants to I, that, that was my whole thing about race is because the human mind wants to separate us into groups oh, yeah. to normalize it because our mind can't comprehend the fact that there's over 7 billion different unique individual things on the planet. But people so, used to be separated by country, not by mm -hmm. color of skin. Mm -hmm. Right. So, well, which was back in the day, a bigger thing now of being separated by countries, we can still talk on the internet, we can still go and see people if mm -hmm. we want to back in, you know, back in the day, you, your country was yeah. the whole world to you. That was all you got, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think having such a wide range of possibility has kind of narrow minded us in a way. Mm. Yeah. You think so? How? I think so, because now I think while we had that big us against them mentality of, let's say, England against Spain or, you know, whatever, there was the inclusive of, okay, we're Spain. But now as Americans or I, I'm trying to think of a good example, um, we because we don't have um, different countries that we necessarily fight with on a big scale. I mean, we do. Okay. But within a smaller group, we end up fighting against different races and our history. And even though this is the land of the oh. free <laughs> or um, different people immigrating to America, we still fight within our own little in-groups because now we can, we right. have more access to everyone. Does that make sense? I don't know. I could I have see. just been speaking. Yeah, we're not there. going... We're not, we're not all united in going after Russia you know, or a common enemy. So we're finding enemies anywhere we can. Hmm. I think that it's been passed down. I don't think that it makes any sense. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Yeah. Like, I think it's just easy to think of that us against them. I think it's very easy to have your in-group and your out-group. I think it's natural. Yeah, you're right. It's natural. Um, but I think we're smarter than that now. I've always been the out-group, so I'm always looking for, to include people into my group. <laughs> I think it comes back to being lazy. Right. Mm. Well, maybe it's a, it's a survival, it's a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that we've had, we've had to worry about so many things and we've had to fight for the right to, just to be able to worry about what we eat mm -hmm. and where we sleep. And yeah. now we have so many more things to think about now that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. If we don't have to care about people, we don't have to think about them and we can think about other things. And we get distracted and we get wrapped up in our own worlds. Everything. Oh yeah. But that's why, that's why we have emotions mm -hmm. to remind us that we're human. That's something I learned. 
and empathy. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. To remind us, you know what? No matter how much control I do end up getting over how my life works, I'm still human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still going to mess up. I'm still going to have bad days. I'm still going to have outbursts. Yeah. So just got to keep going and keep doing the best I can. And if you're going to ride on emotions, you don't have to rely on religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or well, if you can rely yeah. on yourself. Mm-hmm. On the desire to create Sorry. well-being for everyone else. I think if we could all focus on ourselves, we wouldn't <laughs> have to focus so much on everyone else, mm. you know? Like there's seven, mm. there are eight billion people that could focus on eight billion people. Right. But instead, we have developed this system that we just, instead of adjusting it and changing it as, as time went on, just said nope this is how it is so it's how it has to be and so now we have this extreme imbalance of mm-hmm. extreme wealth and extreme positivity and extreme numbers mm-hmm. yep. um and i i think we just need to throw everything back in the pot mm-hmm. <laughs> get all of our best minds in every country and just see if we can do better i i i am convinced we can do better oh without a doubt you think so you think people you think people actually want to be better I think that everybody wants to be better. I just think everybody has a different idea of what that is. Mm, so if we could talk okay. about talk about it with each other instead of just ignoring it, then we could figure out what that is mm-hmm. yeah. instead of assuming, oh, well, well, the left wants this and the right wants that. Well, how about we just like ask? Yeah, no, we all like, want the same thing. We're all shouting up at the sky looking for equality, but we're not hearing each other saying right. it to each other. That's the problem. We all want good things. We just define those good things differently. Yeah. So let's, I guess, try to figure out a balance. Try to figure, okay, how do we make you happy and you happy and you happy? Okay, well, oh, that didn't work. Let's balance this. You know, it's going to take practice. <laughs> you have to give everybody the chance to find their happiness. And we have to stop going to such extremes, uh, beating each other up when we fail. Oh, yeah. Because yes. we're going to. Yes, I hope so. so. Right. So I learn. I learn more from failure. I learn more from failure than I ever have from success. Right. You know. Instead of saying blame, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. That's a great way to uh, tie that back in. Um, I think um, you probably have some stuff you want to plug, Jenna. Let's oh yeah, actually. Um, so in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a. Uh, GCRR Global Center for Religious Research Conference and it's going to be an e-conference on uh, religion and that's going to be an, from an academic standpoint and so I'm actually going to do a presentation um, not as an academic I don't have a degree but as somebody who has had religious harm or claims to so I'm just mm-hmm. going to present my experience basically okay um so go get tickets it's like you have our support yeah, thank you. Where can they find tickets? Uh, I will send you a link. All right. Okay. We'll put it in the we'll put it in the description of the show then, along with all your all your social stuff too. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting up a couple shows, like you <laughs> mentioned. Um, first, I'm doing Atheostasis, which is a show that I'm doing trying to promote a balanced atheist perspective. Um, that I'm posting a video every week, pre-recorded, mm-hmm. and um, I post it to Patreon on Saturday. I try to, if not on Sunday, then a day later goes up to YouTube. Um, we're starting a new show, me and Ethan Michael. Are y'all familiar with the friendly, your friendly neighborhood atheist? I am. No. 
<laughs> Thank you. Good job. And you need to be or yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he's great. He's um, promoting friendly atheism and I completely support him. We have very uh, similar uh, personalities and backgrounds. And so um, I think that we both have some insights that people keep asking us, what would you do or what did you do? And we get the same kind of questions a lot. So we thought we'd both kind of just do a talk show and talk about those kinds of things, have people call in and be very clear that we're not therapists, but we've just mm -hmm. been through some stuff and we might be able to help people who can't afford therapy or don't That's want to. Awesome. Um, also, I'm, I just lost my uh, day job because of COVID. Uh, today was actually my last oh, day. Wow. So I'm a little bit nervous, but with streaming, I'm hoping to at least get enough to, you know, pay rent and stuff and health insurance. Um, but I'm going to start live streaming Monday through Thursday at 7am for 30 minutes. I'm going to start doing like a mental health check-in because I, I have CPTSD and it is a struggle. And I think that this is a good way to uh, keep people talking and keep people interested, but also be raw and honest because I'm nervous. Like this is going to get embarrassing very quickly. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and then also on Friday uh, afternoons, I think at three, I'm going to do like a Bob Ross kind of thing where I'm going to be painting, but instead of doing like friendly trees, it'll be like friendly colors. And um, that's actually going to be called carrot noise. Awesome. Um, cool. Bob Ross had told, used to tell a story about his dad that would, he was said that the best way to catch a rabbit is to go and hide behind a tree and then you make some carrot noises and then when the rabbit runs by you jump out and you grab it <laughs> and he says that that works really well until you go to the tree and try to figure out what noise a carrot makes <laughs> so since I'm really being into abstract art and I love Bob Ross and I love what he did and I, I'm kind of doing something similar I thought carrot noise might be a cute Oh, I think that's great. That's adorable. I like it. Thank you. I have Patreon. So I'm switching over to a different one. So it's www.patreon.com slash the Jenna Belk. Um, okay. I appreciate anything. Yes, go ahead and support no her. <laughs> Thanks. Definitely. And we'll find all that in the description portion of this episode. And, and these two, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then uh, definitely go to her Twitter because everything, I've seen those videos. And by the way, I'm getting emails from Twitter that you're tweeting about your videos. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the only I'll one. I usually post my a link to my channel or a link to a video on Twitter. Yeah, but you're the only one I get those messages from. I'm not getting emails from 40,000 <laughs> other people, just you. <laughs> so thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And thanks for being here, Lexi. You're wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome to meet you, Jenna. Um, I think we had a great conversation here. We can do it again sometime in the yeah. future. Y'all are great, please. Over a lifetime, all of us change to an extraordinary degree. From a physical perspective, we start off as a little bundle about 50 centimeters high with cherubic features and elastic soft skin. I, I don't know to understand that and ask yourself at all times. What's the reason you're doing or trying to do a same thing you do with you do? Why go this far? Why try to learn this much? In the intervening period, every single cell in our body will have been replaced, often many times over. So think about, think about it. You laugh, you think, and you cry. That's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week. And we'll have gone through all kinds of experiences that perhaps leave almost no trace in memory. Remember, if you think you are wrong, you are. And remember, there's no such thing as bad luck. Only lost opportunities. Never, never, absolutely, absolutely never. never.
therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.